Welcome to Parents on Pictures Podcast. My name's Damien. I'm Andy. I'm Sam. And what we do each and every week is we take a film from a popular streaming uh, network like uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, YouTube. Only this week, we're not. Unfortunately, Matt couldn't be here with us this week, but he really wanted to cover 21 Bridges. So what we've decided to do is we're going to postpone that episode until next time. And this week, we're going to have another roundtable discussion. We felt that we enjoyed it so much and it gave us an opportunity to talk about lots of other different things as well as films. So we've got to talk about TV and books and all sorts that we would do the same thing again. Um, we've all come to the table with lots of different things to talk about today. And so we're going to go around. Each is going to have a different topic. And then we're going to go around a second time, probably have a different topic. And then we will probably run out of time and have to call it a day. So as is beforehand, we have decided that we're going to go in alphabetical order. So Andy, what are you kicking us off with today with your uh, roundtable discussion? So I'm going to kick us off with Netflix's Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, a four-part documentary, uh, which premiered in uh, the, the end of May, um, all about the notorious financier Jeffrey Epstein and his, um, his behavior and his criminality around his interactions with underage girls. This has been something which I've... Um, Netflix has been pushing at me, you know, when they do the whole advertising thing and they, they push it towards you and it kept coming up and kept coming up. And I just thought, do you know what? I actually don't want to uh, hear about this, you know, and it was kind of, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of situation. Mm. And then a friend of mine said, Oh, have you seen it? And I said, Oh no, I've got it on my list, but I'm, I'm not that bothered about watching it. And they said, you should watch it. It's really interesting. So I've given it a go. I watched it over three nights, four, four episodes um and i have to say it was fascinating there's lots of stuff about jeffrey, jeffrey epstein which i wasn't aware of i i didn't realize and i don't think the media have, have really uh, the news media when they were covering it have really gone into the amount of power this man had and how he used that power to get away with just the most awful awful crimes um he was essentially untouchable. You know, he was hanging out with presidents, prime ministers, with um, celebrities, you know, the, the most powerful people in the world. And as a result of that, he was invincible, or so he thought. He was almost invincible. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. Do you guys know anything about the Jeffrey Epstein case? Yeah, I, I've um, I've listened to a couple of podcasts. I've listened to one on the um, uh, the um, the stuff they don't want you to know podcast, and also um, the Behind the Bastards podcast, which is a great one if you're interested in the worst people in history. Mm. Um, and there's some some yeah some interesting facts and things they brought out. I think some of it there's because I, I think there's like a a story that you knew about Jeffrey Epstein and what sort of like the <laughs> 90s or whatever about him being this kind of like financier to the 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 the, the rich and famous and you had to have like a, a billion dollar portfolio and apparently even that is is completely flawed um and then yeah the the the, the very clearly he should have been he should have uh, uh received a prison sentence a lot earlier than he did but i think he knew the right people and those sorts of things so i'd be interested it's certainly something i i would be interested in watching when i'm in the right frame of mind andy do they come down on like a side of saying like the evidence says yes 
oh, he abused yeah. young girls. It's For like sure. But do you know, yeah. What I really liked about this documentary, they, they certainly did. You know, there is the evidence is there in front of you. And I think that there, there is no doubt in my mind that Jeffrey Epstein was a, a monster. You know, I would, I, would, I would bet my life salary on it that he did what these people are saying. He is awful. Uh, you know, the, the evidence, the, the amount of people who have the same story, and they're all being interviewed on camera saying the same things happened, describing the inside of his house perfectly, describing his behaviors perfectly. It, it's, too, it's too big to be a coincidence in my opinion. What did fascinate me about Jeffrey Epstein and what I didn't know about him was that he was a teacher. He started off as a teacher um, and he taught in a quite prestigious school in New York. And then he got a job working in some investment bank somewhere. And when he was at the investment was it Go bank... Was it Goldman Sachs, I think? I'm not sure. It wasn't, no. Be, yeah, yeah. I think that was later on. This was kind of early days. And then it emerged that he didn't have the qualifications he said he had. So he had been teaching without actually having a degree or any kind of teaching license. And he uh, was working on Wall Street without having any kind of background in, in Wall Street. This guy was just a major con artist. But he was so charming, he could win all these people around. And then um, when they did find out, he managed to charm these people into going, oh, well, he's been doing a good job. We'll just keep him on. And so we can see in you know, early behavior, he's already very manipulative in terms of his, mm. what he was doing. Um, and then once he was, you know, hanging out with Prince Andrew and, you know, the, the, the elite of the elite, the world was his, was his oyster. He could do whatever mm. he wanted and he did. And it, it's truly dreadful. And you know, I, I, it, it covers some stuff that is really, truly awful, you know, and the, when you're hearing about what, he made these girls do and, and those sorts of things it's heartbreaking but i have to say it's a fascinating watch and i mm. i don't know if that's morbid curiosity or, or what it is about that but it's um i i was i was glued well, i really was i think i think it's yeah maybe there is a bit a little bit of kind of like sort of i don't know titillation in it but also i think there is an element of it's not just about holding him to account. Obviously, he can't be held to account now, and there's a whole big question about about what actually happened to him at the end of his life. And certainly, I'd be probably more inclined to believe the uh, the conspiracy theories than than yeah. the, the actual sort of I don't know the official line. But then I think it's also holding all those people to account that knew the stories or had you know or had heard things um, and and didn't and didn't do anything and didn't um, use their power, their influence, their privilege um, to actually not just stop him, but stop whatever was going on. I think that it's a bit like the Weinstein um, case, right. you know, the reason that these guys could do this is, and I'm not just blaming it on people who are low salaried work, but if you take, for example, there's an assistant that leads people into rooms and leads them on their own with these men. There's, you know, there are there are people, there are staff who work for these people who turn a blind eye, um, and 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 then and then you have, you know, the, like you say, the presidents and the people like that. So, yeah, not to get on my high horse, and you know, but yeah. Well, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And interestingly, Epstein and Weinstein uh, were friends. Mm. You know, and I wonder if they shared their perversions. I wonder if that, you know, because 
it appears to be that it was fairly common knowledge what was happening on Jeffrey Epstein's island to these girls. It was really, you know, there's a guy on the island who, um, one of the people who worked there, and it wasn't until somebody else said, he was talking to somebody off the island about it, and they said, you know, you've got daughters, would you ever let your daughter go to that island? That he then the next day handed in his notice to that, I don't want to work here anymore. But you just, I don't, you're absolutely right. There are so many people, but I think, I don't want to take too much of the too much of this away from Jeffrey Epstein because he clearly was a monster and there's no excuse there. Mm. This is definitely bigger than him. Mm. You know, this is deeper than one man. There is there is a whole group of people, and I think a relatively large group of people that are allowing the um, the trafficking of young women and often underage women. Um, to be sexually abused by these super wealthy, um, very powerful men around the world. <laughs> That's a heavy killer, isn't it? I know. Well, the, the only reason that I've not um, jumped in at all is because I am finding it absolutely fascinating because I, I am aware of the Jeffrey Epstein um, and obviously Weinstein and all this that's going on, but I've not seen this documentary. Um, and so I don't know about it in anywhere near as much detail mm -hmm. as, as, as what is covered in terms of the documentary itself. Does it give, I know that it, it comes down on one side, particularly um, clearly and, and dominantly, but does it build a case for both sides his guilt yeah. and his innocence as it goes along? What type think, of a documentary is it? Cause think, there were so many different styles. Absolutely. And so uh, have you guys seen Blackfish? Yes. No. So, so uh, Blackfish is a documentary about the killer whales at SeaWorld. Um, uh, must have been out seven years ago, I think. A great documentary, a really, really powerful piece of filmmaking. And in terms of, uh, if you want to see a piece of filmmaking that can um, sway an audience, that is it. This isn't like that in as much as when you watch um, Blackfish, if you come away from that going, but what about SeaWorld? Okay, then you've, you're a better person than I am because most people who watch that documentary go, oh my God, SeaWorld are monsters. This is the worst thing in the world, this, that, and the other. But SeaWorld do not get an opportunity to re represent themselves. With this Epstein thing, obviously he can't represent himself. He's dead. But there are people around him and at, every opportunity they are given the chance to defend themselves and some of them try and some of them you know you know i wish i'd never met jeffrey epstein this that and the other um and others of them refuse to be interviewed but every time they are they do refuse to be interviewed they they let you know that within the documentary and so i do think in terms of because ever since watching blackfish that's changed the way i watch documentaries now i'm much more aware when i'm watching them as to how bias the storyteller is and, and is the narrative yeah. pushing me in this direction and i do think this does that to a degree um but not because it's trying to sway you not because it's trying to convince you that jeffrey epstein's a monster at all because you're clearly mad if you think he's not a monster but it's trying to push you in the direction of like like you said sam this is a bigger issue this you know this is there's, there's other people involved here. And why was this not addressed sooner? Because Jeffrey Epstein actually was put in prison. Here's, here's this, the documentary covers this. He was put in prison, um, 
I want to say in 2006, but I may be wrong there. Um, for, oh, I'm wrong when I say this, but it's soliciting underage girls for sex. It's something like that. And he was put in prison for, let's say, a year. I can't remember the, the actual number, but I think it was a year. And I wasn't aware of this. And so, I'm, Damien, I'm, I'm exactly where you were. Before I saw this documentary, I didn't know any of this. Um, he was in jail, in prison, whatever you want to call it over in, in America. But he was allowed day release to go to work. And so he would go out in the day, he would work 12 hours in his office. He was often bought, supposedly, according to documentary, he was bought underage girls in his office to do what he did with them. He was drinking, he was eating, he was smoking cigars. He was doing all the things he wanted to do during the day. He had to go back to the prison at night to sleep. Um, and that was six days a week he did that for the whole of his prison sentence. Now, if you ask me, that's not a prison sentence for a sex offender. It's no a very cushy prison sentence. Right. No other um, sex offender would be able to get away with that. And the Miami police who were trying to prosecute him, they went to the FBI and just said, yo, what is going on? This is, this is crazy. And the FBI just said, it's none of your business. You know, this is a deal that's been struck between the courts and Mr. Epstein. It's nothing to do with you. Deal with it. And it's, it's super corrupt. It really is. And, and, you, it, I find it hard to believe that things like this happen in real life because it, this whole documentary feels like um, it could be a, a film. Mm. But it's not. It, 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 it kind of rings of kind of like Wolf of Wall Street. And I know certainly he was a very nefarious character. And, and you know, uh, there's a, I'm sure there's lots of morally re reprehensible things that Jordan Belfort did. Certainly there's no evidence that he was a child molester. But, um, but it, it kind of does, you know, the, the narrative of the movie and, and I've read a bit about him and it is very much like, yeah, he went to rich, rich people's jail. Um, yeah. and um, which is very different to poor people's jail yeah uh, and still I don't know I think that the when I last looked that there was still you know not recent news stories but the the news stories that have been about him have always got a footnote or, or often do focus on the fact that he has not paid back anywhere near the amount of money that he was supposed to to the victims of the financial crimes that he um that he perpetrated so yeah it, it, it is um you struggle to, you know, I know that it's crazy because there's a lot of people calling for putting down these structures and things, but it, it does feel like without something big like that, yeah, how, how, do you, how do you change these things? Yeah. For sure. And, you know, we, we live in a world now where any kind of behaviour toward, you know, a negative behaviour towards women isn't tolerated. But this isn't just like, he wasn't just a pervy old man. Like, he was... I mean, he was awful, you know. A predator. Yeah, perfect. That's exactly what he was. You know, he is the, for want of a better term, the Jimmy Savile of America. And it is, it's awful that he was allowed to get away with it on the scale that he was allowed to get away with for the length of time. Um, you know, I'm going to watch this now. You've, you've, um, you've definitely convinced me that this. Right. Yeah, I, I hope yeah. so. And it, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I know that it, it, it's a kind of, it's a morbid thing to enjoy, but I just found it gripping. Um, really. He's such a complex and interesting character and how, how he got away with it. I, you know, 
I'm not sure we'll ever know. I think there are too many very powerful people involved. One of the people that you see in the documentary, he's not interviewed, but you see photographs of him a few times, is um, President Bill Clinton. You know, Bill Clinton was on this island with Jeffrey Epstein whilst Jeffrey Epstein was uh, abusing these young girls. I don't believe for one second that Bill Clinton was unaware of this. Yeah. And there's the soundbite that I'm sure they probably showed the Donald Trump, Donald Trump soundbite from a few years back where he said something about, well, Jeffrey likes his girls and he, he likes them pretty young, something like that. That's, That's exactly it. And it's in, it's in oh, the documentary. Yeah. No yeah. Mm. So, I, you know, I, I just think that, you know, even if I'm not saying for one second Bill Clinton was involved in this, I don't think that at all. But what I'm saying is that you, by turning a blind eye, in my opinion, you become an accessory to it. Mm. I'm sure that someone has more articulately put it than me, but I'm sure I've heard the phrase somewhere, that, you know, you hear that I'm sure someone has said the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and the, you know, it sounds pretty drastic and you could definitely read that in the wrong way, but this is, yeah, the, this kind of situation you think, yeah, it's, it doesn't just, it doesn't just happen. Yeah. Not at all. So that's my pick and I urge you both to go and watch it if you have the time. Um, they are quite long. I think each episode is about an hour. So you're looking at about four hours, but really, um, well, my, my wife, my wife, I don't think, I think she would be really interested in this. And I think, she hasn't like listened to a lot of the podcasts and things that I have. So it'd be a really good way for me to introduce her to the subject and sort of say, look, let's find out about this. Let's, yeah. let's you know, learn, learn about what happened here. And it is really good because I think most people have an idea of who he is in terms of he's this rich guy who, you know, did some pretty awful stuff to some young girls and then was found dead. That's pretty much all I knew about him before. And I really feel like this documentary does a great job of explaining it in very simplistic terms, you know, who this guy was, what he did, and not how he got away with it, but they kind of start to start to scratch the surface of that. Um, and then towards the end as well, very briefly, in my opinion, that the weakest part of this is they, um, they talk about his death and they talk about the fact that it, you know, could have been suspicious circumstances but I, I wanted more on that. I almost wanted a fifth episode to explore the conspiracies around his death. I love a good conspiracy. And this is just, this is conspiracy gold mine here because there, there is so, so many different uh, perspectives you can take on it. So, yeah. Love it. Outstanding. And um, one more time, what is that? Um, what's the documentary itself actually called? So we can find it's out. Jeff Jeffrey Epstein, E-P-S-T-E-I-N, Filthy Rich. So Filthy Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, it's on Netflix, um, directed by Lisa Bryant. Excellent, really good. Nice, nice. Okay, so that brings me on to my pick, which is a huge contrast to, to what we've just discussed there, and by no means anywhere near as highbrow. Um, so do you two remember a little uh, short um, series done by uh, Brooks called uh, Dead Set? Yeah, the zombie one, and the exactly the zombie one based on Big Brother. Big Brother, you know, yeah, the call was in it. All that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead set from back in the day yeah. before before Black Mirror. So this yeah. was before before Charlie Brooker had really uh, made a name. Well, he'd made a name for himself beforehand, but like made a a big name for himself in terms of the UK because I think I think uh, Black Mirror's 
really, really pushed him forefront of a lot of people mm-hmm. where he wasn't before. But if you're in the, the right circles, you knew Charlie Brooker because he's been working for a long, long time. Yeah. And he's a very successful comedian as well, if I'm not mistaken. But I caught something on Netflix called Reality Z. Reality Z is a Brazilian remake of Dead Set. <laughs> Which I, when, when I first started, because with what I watch on, on Netflix, obviously in a second, anything zombie related pops on, it shoves it right in my face. Because I love all that kind of stuff. I've been watching Romero films for years and years and years. That's how I got into it. Um, the, I think the very first zombie film I ever saw, I was too young to go and watch it, but give away my age. Um, I went to see, was I too young? Ah, it doesn't matter. I remember seeing it with a friend. The 2004 remake by um, Zack Snyder of Dawn of the Dead. I, I managed to get into the cinema to see that. Oh, love and that film. Amazing. Yeah. In my opinion, still one of the best films he's ever made. And it's a remake, which is surprising, which makes me super excited for what he is going to be making for Netflix soon because he's actually coming to Netflix to make a Netflix-exclusive zombie film. So he's going back to the genre that made him famous. Awesome. I cannot wait. Um, anyway, enough about that. We're talking about Reality Z. And yeah, ever since I saw the remake, I went back and I revisited the originals and, and just got as much zombie stuff as I could. So the second that this was released, boom, it was right there, right in front of me for Netflix. So I started watching it and I didn't realize that it was basically a remake of, of Dead Set. And I was like, I've seen all this before. This is really familiar. And it is, it's pretty much the same for the first four or five episodes. So what they do is they retread old ground. So they've got a... Um, a, a Big Brother reality TV show that's called Olympus or something like that. So it's you know, slightly different, but it, it's for all intents and purposes, it's Brazilian Big Brother. Um, the host is called Davina. You've got the snotty, whiny, miserable, um, like showrunner and owner. Uh, exactly the same. Like, all the characters are practically carbon copies in terms of what they stand for. But the way in which it differs is A, and spoiler alerts for both Dead Set and Reality Z, in both of them, every single person, all the characters perish by the end of it. Um, and they all perish in very similar ways in both of them. But where big, where, where Dead Set was very caricaturish, the, the characters were larger than life, they were really irritating. So when they died, you really didn't care. In fact, you, <laughs> at some point it was like, yes, finally, I don't have to put up with that character anymore because they're dead. That's fantastic. Um, they toned that back quite a lot in Reality Z. And what I really liked was that by the time they had caught up to Dead Set, and they were both in exactly the same space, all the characters had died. They had, in previous episodes, set up a smaller group of characters elsewhere, and so they were able to continue the story into 10 episodes instead of five, where they actually started to explore some of the other survivors of this zombie apocalypse. And so what they'd done is they'd gone straight through to where um, Dead Set had started and finished, but then they were able to continue it in a much more kind of serious manner. And overall, and I'm going to hate this, I really appreciated the slightly more serious tone that Reality Z went for. And I think I actually probably enjoyed it a little bit more than Dead Set. Because Dead Set was, it was 
um, it was very on the nose, you know, turning Davina McCall into a zombie and um, having a lot of fun in the, in the Big Brother house and all this crazy nonsense that was going on. It was a lot of fun. But I think by the time you'd finished what I think it was four or five episodes it lasted for, I was done with it. I'm like, you know what, I can I can happily put that in a box and never watch it again. I even tried to watch it again when it came on. So it was either Amazon Prime or Netflix earlier on. Probably Netflix with um, uh, Black Mirrors being on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that they would have struck some kind of deal there as well. And I, I never, I didn't get through it again because you know I've seen it. It's kind of boring. So Reality Z, bit more serious. 10 episodes instead of a limited series. Uh, and it explores much more of the world as opposed to just a very singular group of people in the Big Brother house. Um, so I really, really enjoyed it. And they, you know, they knew what they were making because even in the, in the credits, it says based on the, uh, the mini series by Charlie Brooker. I was like, yeah. oh, then, okay, good, good, good. So yeah, I personally would highly recommend that the episodes themselves are about 40 minutes long but um yeah reality z it's on netflix you say yeah it's absolutely brilliant i i I personally would recommend it to anybody i like zombie stuff anyway but as with all genres you know when something's bad this is not one of the bad ones this is actually really entertaining awesome damien do you have kind of like in your mind you have sort of like a uh, criteria for what you'd call kind of like sort of i don't know zombie canon or zombie sort of like this is what this is what it should be you know fast fast or slow or you know See, that, all the, those kind of things or are you sort of like what well, just but, zombies just the yeah, living for, for me yeah. it's just zombies i do not care if you establish a world that's fast zombies or slow zombies what i care about is that once you've established those rules do you stick to them and if mm, you don't yeah. that really really irritates me i'm surprised although i'm working on a really bad script because i'm not a script writer i'm actually working on a story that doesn't solve but but mashes those together so for instance the initial zombie outbreak and again correct me if if i've just not seen this particular film if it does exist the initial zombie outbreak because it's freshly dead people they're fast zombies and then over time because they're decaying they turn into slow moving walkers i'm like why hasn't anybody done that yet because that's the easiest way of solving that problem um but no for me it has nothing to do whether it's a fast zombie or whether it's a slow zombie or how the zombie plague comes because a lot of the time they've just gotten to the point where it's like you know what Nobody cares. We're not even explaining it. Somebody bit someone somewhere and now there are zombies. Great. I couldn't give them monkeys. But so long as you stick to the rules of the universe that you established, we're not going to have a problem. I think one of the most interesting zombie takes I've ever seen was the uh, French production, The Returned. Did you ever see that? I've not. That's been on my watch list for flipping ages. That's phenomenal because it's a really fresh take on zombies because they're zombies in as much as they have come back from the dead, but they're not your zombies who walk around arms out, faces falling off or anything like that. So that's a, it's a really fresh take and it kind of, it does gradually develop more into a zombie film and um, I would highly recommend that. The, um, there's two series of that, the, the, and they're, they're awesome. They're so good. The characters are, are ace. And there was an American remake of it. I don't know if they did both series, um, but that was almost shot for shot the same thing. Really? I, they, I, did that with, they did that with Quarantine as well, if you ever caught that. 
I, I preferred the French one because it felt scarier. Yeah. Um, we, I think we we're probably gonna have we're gonna have to like have a zombie zombie evening zombie or, at some point. I am one hundred percent up for that. One, I yeah. have seen, I have gone into <laughs> some of the B, C, D, E, and Z zombie films that people have never heard about, and quite frankly, should never have been made. <laughs> Because I flipping love this genre. Was um, Sam's um, teenage production of uh, his zombie film he made on that? Oh yeah, I mean yeah. I don't know if Damien's seen that yet, but I'm maybe not. I don't know. There's that's beyond like letter classification. In <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to uh, do a screening of that at some point. That would be brilliant. <laughs> Don't. Yes. Uh, for all of our sakes, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. and funny enough, just talking about zombies super, super quickly, I'm going to segue into um, something else for a moment. If I can find it, if I can't, then I'm not going to bother. Um, but there was also an Asian um, zombie TV series. There it is, Kingdom, The Kingdom. I'm just very quickly going to use um, z to go into the kingdom because that was something that's also on netflix it's a very limited series they say it's two series but it's like five six episodes a series it's basically one series um and similar thing uh, zombie outbreak but the reason it reminded me of this is because it actually goes into great detail and lengths to explain where the zombies come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's set in, in like feudal times. So it's all like um, samurai and what have you and, and um, mm-hmm. uh, Chinese warriors from those times against the zombie plague. And the reason I appreciate that, because, you know, no guns, no modern day, it's all mm-hmm. in a very old era. Um, uh, and spoiler alert, skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear about it they come to the conclusion that um there's a a wild plant that grows and if you ingest it then it starts to take over your body but because the plant is adverse to sunlight the zombies hibernate during the day and then they come out at nighttime and that's when they start to feast and kill which is really nice because you've got these massive zombie battles at nighttime, but then during the day, you've got a little bit of a breath where it's like, okay, whew, let's catch up with the characters, let's get some story in, and then let's prepare ourselves for the next night. But over time, the zombies get used to daytime, and so that uh, safety of, of, of daylight disappears. It's amazing the way they wow. do it. So, yeah. Awesome. There's two for one for you. Zombies and zombies and zombies. But you know, it's 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 a genre that's so cheap and easy and enjoyable to make that you can find thousands of films and, and TV series based on the zombie genre. I even got an interview. Sorry, segueing a little bit again. Sorry about that, guys. Um, uh, we in an interview that I did. Uh, we were allowed as our final piece because it was a 12 hour interview and the final piece is we were allowed to give a um, a presentation on any topic that we wanted. <laughs> and so there's me to the board of directors of a recruitment company and I had picked 
why the zombie genre is the best film genre of all time. <laughs> and so there's me trying to get a job at about 23, 24 years old, something like that. And I would picked zombie genre as best of all time as my presentation to the board of directors of a multi-million pound recruitment company. But they actually turned around at the end of it and said, yeah, one of the reasons that you got the job is because you were really good during the 12 hour tasks. Cause it was like lots of different tasks over the course of 12 hours but we loved your presentation. I'm like, zombies for the win. So yeah, <laughs> we should definitely do some kind of a zombie evening. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Perhaps those two, The Kingdom and um, Z Nation. Brilliant. When I was at uni, I lived with a load of film students. And like you say, it's one of those things where it's easy to make a zombie film, uh, but they were real perfectionists and they really loved it. But our house was fucked ever being covered in fake blood and squibs and makeup and you'd, I'd, I'd walk in after a night out and I'd see them all in the lounge dressed up with faces falling off and stuff they loved it and they, you know, the stuff they produced was outstanding it was really high quality but it just oh, it, I, I, there is something about the zombie genre that's so appealing mm. Yeah. Well, I think it's something about like survival, isn't it? I think because um, I remember being at uni as well, it was a, a topic of conversation that would come up and would take e whole evenings out would be, what do you do if a zombie apocalypse starts? And we had this whole list of things, which was right. And it wasn't even like go and get guns. It was fill up the bath. So you have water in the bath and the sinks for when the water cuts out. Yeah, I've had exactly that was, conversation. Yeah. It's amazing. Go, go, go to Lidl because you can get all the canned goods, but you probably find night vision goggles in the middle aisle. Or if you've got access, um, go to Costco. Uh, use your card to get access to the Costco building and lock that sh down. Yeah. That place <laughs> is going to keep you going for months. <laughs> there we go. Yes, oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. So yeah, that's that's me. Uh, go watch anything zombies, but specifically, um, go and catch the Dead Set remake. I mean, both Dead Set and the remake, the Brazilian remake, are both actually still on Netflix. And if you get an opportunity, watch watch uh, Kingdom. Really, really well done, zombie. That absolutely fantastic. The way that they blend the um, the different age and the zombie genre together. It's just been so beautifully done. And what I like about it specifically is that there's no expense spared on the aesthetic. So it's like you, you, could, you could easily believe that you are watching um, House of Flying Daggers, but with zombies in it, because it's been done so beautifully in the way that they have remade this, this um, different period of time right. actually feels like exactly as it should. So yeah, I, I recommend both of those highly. So cool. Well, thanks. Right, yeah, that's a uh, moving on then. So, Sam, <laughs> what is your first round the uh, round table topic? Go for it, dude. Right. Well, I'm going to carry on similar, slightly on the same theme, um, and also I'm going to do possibly this could be a four in one in some ways. We'll see how it goes. So, my my uh, pick for a first discussion is I've been playing a lot of, um, and for the first time, um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Doom, the 2016. Uh, Doom um, video game on PS4, um, and and the reason I say this is kind of like a a, a lot of different subjects in one is because the reason I the reason I decided to buy it now was because I went down a a YouTube rabbit hole um, recently and ended up watching a load of speedrunning videos. Now I'm terrible at video games. I would never be able to get a speedrunning record in my life, but it fascinates me like the 
the, the I don't know the exploits and the things that people do to and and particularly the Doom videos. Like the guys worked out that you could get twenty five percent extra speed if you press down the strafe key and the forward key, um, and also if you do that whilst running alongside a wall, which therefore means that you can finish a level a second faster. Than, and I was just I just don't understand. Anyway, this then led me into watching some some more videos about Doom and about how the, the different stuff works in it. And then I was like, I need to play. I need, and uh, so anyway, so skip forward. I hardly ever play video games anymore at the moment. And I'm always really loath to buy new video games because I'll just see it sat on the shelf and then I, and I'll just feel annoyed with myself. That I spent money on it. But I was like, what else have I got to do right now? Um, and it turns out that actually the, the original Doom is also on sale on, P, on the, the PS4 nice. store. So, oh. so I was like, let's do it. Let's go, let's go back 27 years or whatever it is. And then let's go back four years and, and, and go on the new Doom. And I am absolutely loving it. Um, so very, very briefly, the original Doom, it, I, I remember watching my cousins play it on like, the old, like an old PC. Well, it was probably a pretty high-end PC back in the day, a huge chunky monitor or whatever. And just watching this and just thinking, this is amazing. Like, this is just, I just wanted to watch them play it all day. Um, and then, and, and playing it now, yeah, obviously it looks super like, you know, the, it, the graphics are clunky and everything like that. But the game has aged so well. It's still, still a really fun and satisfying game to play. Um, and, and yeah, like, and, and because of course it's, it's iconic and everything else draws from those original FPS games. Was and there's it, still point, sorry, go ahead. Was it the first first person shooter? I think Wolfenstein 3D was the first, but that yeah. was like that's like the spiritual success, um, Do, like Doom, predecessor. As far as I'm aware, Doom was the first game to have true 3D. So, like mm. things like uh, Wolfenstein 3D still was actually 2D projections made to wrap around and look 3D, but right. it didn't actually work inside a 3D environment. My understanding mm. is that Doom was the first game FPS mm -hmm. to actually truly have a 3D environment. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. It's just I'm, 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 and I'm still like there's still bits of it that have made me jump. And, and and made me kind of like 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 on the edge of my seat kind of thing and i'm like this is, yeah but anyway skip ahead to playing and obviously doom eternal was out so i've got that to play as soon as i finish this one but yeah the the 2016 version of doom is is and i haven't finished it yet but it is i'm just absolutely loving it it brings together like all the things that i want from a video game um you know there is there is story there but you don't necessarily need to get yourself completely into it but if you do want to stop and read some of the background information or whatever it's got all of that um you've got all like the, the kind of the side missions but i think the one really good thing about it is as a video game i don't know if you guys have played it but it um it really rewards you for trying to be good at the game not just in the sense of oh well done you've you've passed the level but if you I can't remember what the term is for it, but it, it kind of operates on the like, you are rewarded for pushing forwards and for being aggressive as opposed to trying, you, you can't hide and just try and right. take pot shots. You have to get into the middle of the game. You have to use every weapon that you've got. You have to use every technique that you've got. And the reward for it is, for the most part, you feel like an absolute badass. <laughs> You're just like... Yeah, just the, the, you know, when you literally, you know, when you just jump up onto a platform, blast a zombie in the face mm -hmm. again, there we go, zombies. And, and um, 
and the way that the, the different enemies as well, like you could get floored by just a group of regular um, sort of demonic zombies as much as you could by a boss, um, just by using the wrong technique, using the wrong weapon, um, not being aware of your surroundings. Um, when you, and, and again, for me, the, the soundtrack is just literally the, the best because it's just this big processed industrial heavy metal as soon as you walk into a fight, as soon as you hear the heavy metal start, yeah. you know that you have got to, you've got to start moving and start firing um, because then you're in for some fun. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because my fondest memory of a kid uh, playing Doom is that soundtrack, that real mm. kind of. It sounds like it's heavy metal been drained through a, um, <laughs> a synthesized cheese grater or something, um, but just yeah. absolutely brilliant. Um, one of the things I remember, so after I played Doom as a kid, I went on to play the Alien series where it was, again, first person shooter. But for, for me, it was the first game where you played with headphones on because mm. you could hear those creatures coming, the face huggers, you could hear them coming. Do you get a sense of that with, with the Doom games? Yeah, I, I, certainly in this one, I'd say there's points where you can hear like, but it, it's funny because you can hear sort of like a, a, a zombie kind of like growling around a corner or you'll hear like an enemy, you'll, you'll go into a room and there'll be all this stuff going on and then you'll hear a certain enemy and you'll be like, I need to get to the other side of the room quickly because I need to get a rocket launcher out and that, those, those kind of bits. And, and certainly because it's all very industrial, the mm. sound effects just blend in as well. So there'll be like some kind of like metal hydraulic thing like pounding into the ground and initially you think that's a monster that's definitely a monster and it's not it's just like this giant piece of machinery so it's all it's all tricking you you go into a tiny corridor and there's kind of like gas hissing and stuff yeah um cool. i'll have to i'd i'll have to, I, I recommend that there's one song from the soundtrack that i just keep listening to over and over again um and it's got it's got a great name as well it's called skull hacker <laughs> and it is it's basically just the whole game if you wanted like a song that epitomizes this game it is that i mean it may not be to your tastes but um i was always a big fan of like sort of like industrial metal kind of like fear factory and things like that so as soon as i heard this i was like yes this is this is great ah, awesome. so and um slow moving zombies in in this um in this case but then lots of other fast moving uh, demonic uh, creatures as well and final the final thing that is really fun is that they pay as much as it's kind of like yeah you've got you've got to save the planet and you've got to stop these demons there's so much like just fun kind of paying homage to the original doom elements so in each level there's a there's a hidden switch and when you do it it plays like the midi file doom music <laughs> And then what happens is it opens a door somewhere in the level that takes you into an original Doom level. Oh, so you yes. go in, in your current, like, uh, with your current weapons, you fight the enemies, but they're all in these, like, blocky, um, uh, sort of pixelated corridors and stuff. So it does some, some really cool some really cool stuff with that. So, that's yeah, I'm, I know I'm definitely behind the curve because, obviously, Doom Eternal is out, and I'm sure that's a whole different kettle of fish as well. But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, for me, to pick up a game and really love it, um, and feel like actually genuinely uh, this was worth the money I've spent on it um, is, is always like a real a real win for me so mm. yeah yes. nice the Doom was the remakes have been distributed by Bethesda but they've been built by Bethesda do you know I think they were developed by id so the original yeah. um, the original developer so they've still got uh, I, I, that would be where kind of the the sort of the same DNA, the same heritage is is coming through it. 
Um, and I think, again, if we're on, on the subject of kind of B movies, you've got there's the sort of slight, there's the dodgy uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson um, Doom movie. I think there's another one that was like a straight to, straight to DVD one recently, Doom Annihilation. So it kind of fits in with that whole kind of B movie culture as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I am both shocked and surprised at the acting talent that is in the the doom film you've got uh, you've got carl urban great actor has made some tripe in his life uh, but then again i don't know of an actor that hasn't you've got dwayne the rock johnson in possibly the least charismatic role he's ever played <laughs> they just they didn't let his charisma shine and I am so sorry, but I forget the female lead who plays Carl Urban's um, twin sister. I can't remember. Yeah, and she was in. Um, she was in. A, she's been in a lot of things, but most notably recently, she was in a film with Ben Affleck, uh, Gone Girl. Oh, um, yep. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the film. Phenomenal. Yeah. Didn't even realize she was. I'd forgotten she yeah. was in that. Well, that's exactly the point. That's her. It's like, mm. really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, terrible. But the, I think the one thing that I really, really enjoyed about the film was um, when it did go to the first person shooter bit at the end. Yeah. Yes. I, that's probably your only saving grace right now. You were waiting <laughs> for it the whole way through. Yeah. The yeah. 100%. <laughs> 100%. But no, it was terrible. And, and yeah, Doom Annihilation. Wow, that's rough. Um, <laughs> or is it, um, I think, if I remember reading correctly, the, the writer-director wanted to make Doom. He was commissioned to make something else. But he was like, no, I want to make a Doom. I want to make a Doom film. I love Doom. I want to make a, a sequel to this film. I know the film didn't make a lot of money. but I, I, and, and they were like, all right, you can do it for no money. And and so he decided to make the sequel, and boy, was that a mistake! Um, there there are no similarities or crossovers between the two films. They may as well be made by completely different um, studios. So yeah. Again, I I watched. Uh, there was a video that came up one of the channels that um, I've been watching where he'd done a review of, of of Doom Annihilation, and and he it was it was quite funny because he he'd taken some scenes from it and said that let's improve it by putting original Doom sound effects <laughs> over the top of these. <laughs> but actually, yeah, it does it does sound better. Awesome, a damning <laughs> damning indictment. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, Doom Annihilation is rough. Don't 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 see it. But Doom the game, it, it, was, yeah. it was free on either Xbox Game Pass or something like that not too long ago. The 2016 version, I don't. I don't think it's still there anymore because obviously they have a habit of putting games on and taking games off. And I got an opportunity to play it and it is fast and frantic. And like you said, if you are, if you play aggressively, you feel like a badass. It's such yeah. a cool game. I'm so pleased you're having a good time with that one, Sam. Yeah. Loving it. <laughs> awesome. Right. Moving on. Uh, we're going to do, I think one more topic each and then we'll call it a day because yeah, I think we're, we're, we're getting close to an hour already. <laughs> wow. Are you, well, fair play, gents. We've got lots of people. So, yeah, Andy, what is your second pick on the round table? Right, I am going to go way off the chart here, okay? Have you ever seen Netflix original Queer Eye? 
No. I I may have seen an earlier. The, I think I saw it before it was Netflix a long time ago. But, okay, so yeah. that was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. So that oh, is this rings a bell. It's different. Well, oh, it's, right. it's the same, but it's not. it's a different production. It's based on Queer Eye for a Straight Guy, but it's just called Queer Eye. Um, you've got these five guys. You've got Anthony, Tan, Karamo, Bobby, and Jonathan. And they go around and they just make people's lives better. Now, this for me, I'm not even going to call it a guilty pleasure because I don't feel even one iota of guilt when I'm watching this. I absolutely love it. I could watch it every day. I wish it was like a soap opera, you know, where they do like an episode Monday to Friday. You have like episodes to watch. I wish it was like that. I need more of this in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? Because these five guys are just gorgeous. They are the, some of the just most wonderful human beings. And they take people's lives, um, people who have had a rough start in life or people whose, um, you know, something's happened to them and, and life is just not great for them anymore. And they just improve that part of their life. And it's just feel good. It is from start to finish, you just feel like a million dollars watching it. And I... I love it. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. If you ever feeling miserable, just put Queer Eye on and they will cheer you the hell up. They are so good. So the concept has obviously probably changed from the, the original, the, the previous show. Um, and, and again, you correct me if I'm uh, being sort of, I don't know, insensitive. Is it, is it the fact that they're gay that helps people or do they happen to be gay and they have a lot of different skills? I, um, I, think, I don't know. I think being gay is, is kind of the, <sighs> I don't know. I want to say unique selling point, but I, I don't know what it is. Their personalities are very different. You've got a guy called Karamo. There's this um, really big built, very macho looking um, black guy who is just gorgeous and he's a life coach and he helps people just kind of a bit like a counselor just helps them understand where their issues are and how they can improve it and stuff and then on the complete other end of that spectrum you've got a guy called Jonathan Van Ness who walks around wearing what would be traditionally women's clothes and he's wearing high heels and skirts and tank tops and stuff like that and he's a hairdresser so he does the hair and facial hair and bits and pieces and you know he is super camp um and kind of your what you might consider your like stereotypical gay man to be but karamo is the other end of the spectrum and then you've got bobby who does up their houses and he's not particularly camp um you've got anthony who is just this strapping super good looking guy who's always in the kitchen um what, one of the things i really love about it is that so i i started watching this uh season one with my wife and I didn't think I'd enjoy it. I thought it would be a bit too, oh, for, again, for want of a better term, I thought it'd be too girly for me. And I watched one episode and just fell in love with these guys. And, you know, I'm a relatively camp man myself, you know, always using my hands and doing stuff. But these guys just, I just love them. I would love to be friends with them. I can just imagine <laughs> you would have so much fun with them. Um, and they just make you and everyone feel feel good about yourself. You know, there's, there's, they're constantly talking about, like Jonathan does a lot of the beauty stuff and he's, you know, he, he has um, a problem with his skin and he doesn't wear makeup to cover it up. He goes, this is who I am. You know, God made me this way and I'm not changing that. And it's just beautiful. It's so nice. 
Um, That's really yeah, so, refreshing to hear as well in this kind of day and age. It is, and it, oh, it's just really beautiful. I just love it. And there are six seasons, I think. There's five main seasons. Oh, so it's been um, going for a while then? Yeah, yeah. I've been watching it. must be three or four years I've been watching it. Um, and then you've got a, a couple of specials that they've done one-offs, and then they do one series in Japan, which is really weird. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I've just finished season five of that and I'm, I'm gutted that I've come to the end of it. I would, oh my goodness. I, I think, I'm trying to think what, there are very few things I wouldn't do to spend a day hanging out with these guys. I so mean, if anybody I, is listening, <laughs> yeah, yeah. contact with those guys. Andy really wants to be your friend. But honestly, they're just the nicest human beings you could awesome. ever meet. And I just, I love them. I really do. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's very different. And I would, I would urge you to watch it. It's not something that as kind of, you know, 30-something-year-old men, it's not something that's on our watch list typically. And I would never have watched it if Alice hadn't had said, you were going to sit down and watch this. Um, I'm really glad she did, and it is. Because uh, I have kind of a, 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 I guess I have a filter when it comes to reality TV, which is, uh, I, I, I kind of initially it gets my back up just because I feel, and I'm probably maybe a little bit short-sighted in this, but I feel like there's an element of taking away from, you know, people actually writing good storylines in TV by just filming some stuff and then editing it to make it say something that it probably didn't actually happen um but i have yeah. this kind of filter of like there's the reality tv that i would not touch because i find it almost with again without being too um uh, i don't know too of myself but like morally repugnant like yeah yeah that kind of thing where I'm just like, I just did just this is opposed to everything I stand for. But then there's also the reality TV. It's kind of like the McDonald's. It's like, I know it's not good, but I just, I just need it right now. Right. And, and for me, that would be like something like America's next top model. Like okay. from back in the day when I was at uni and lived in a house with um, three girls and right. I just got so into that show. Um, and in, even you just know, you know exactly what they're doing. You know how they've basically padded out the whole show by you know just inserting all these little bits and pieces that yeah and um but it's just it just it's nice it just I, and, and it sounds like it's a similar sort of you know very is. different concept but yeah yeah i'd say it's it's kind of less structured than america's next top model that sort of thing it's more like um a week in the life of and so i'll, I'll give you an example though the one i watched recently which i really loved was this girl um and she was from philadelphia and um, she had a dog grooming business and she lived in a pretty, you know, difficult part of, of Philly and her van was um, falling apart and she was really struggling to get business and stuff. And so, but she was working every day. She was trying really, really hard. And that's the thing about these people. They don't, they never go and make someone who's doing all right's life up. You, I've never watched an episode and gone, don't really see why they're working with that person there's one episode in season five where they they go i'm sorry i'm jumping back and forth between things here um <laughs> they go and they do this guy he's a 30 something year old dj he might be in his 40s actually but he's this dj and he's 
basically got this like Peter Pan syndrome where he just doesn't want to grow up. And they go there and they just kind of help him understand. And, you know, they don't change his physical image particularly because he's a good looking guy and all this. They just help him understand a bit more about it's okay to be the real you. You don't need to be living in the past and stuff like that. And so halfway through the episode, I was like, wow, for the first time ever, I'm actually not that keen on the the person they're focusing on for the week. But actually by the end of it, I was like, no, actually they did a really good thing there. You know, that guy's life is now better as a result of their intervention. Um, and every other episode I've ever watched, there's no question there at all. They are just, and yeah. And, and just, I guess the only thing I was going to ask was, um, I guess my, my slightly more flippant com uh, question at the start, but do you think there is a thing about kind of representation as well? Because it's not like inherently that like, oh, they're gay and so they're amazing at this stuff. It's just, here are gay people and here's you know just them doing you know it could be the same show but with straight people or whatever but it's just it, they're just people who are doing these things absolutely and so you get all the b-roll of them dancing together and all this grinding up against each other and kissing each other and hugging each other and all that but other than that b-roll you don't really it doesn't matter and i don't it doesn't matter anyway but it's not part of the narrative the being gay isn't part of the narrative and where it has helped there was one episode um in, again in the last series where they um went and worked with this vicar who was gay and he'd had a really tough time in his career as a vicar because obviously in, in america especially it's not that acceptable and that was a really interesting one because it wasn't about them being gay. It was about the vicar's experience and them, them all reflecting on their own experiences. And several times, so Bobby, the guy who does all of the home improvements, he grew up in a house, a very religious household, and he was rejected by his family because they were religious. And so sometimes you do touch upon these things with the characters and you get to know about their lives and about their hardships. Um, Last year, Alice and I went to see Jonathan Van Ness, the guy who does all the beauty stuff, do stand-up in London. And honestly, he was hilarious. Um, he is oh, one of the funniest people I've seen in stand-up. Just really good, quick, witty, very, very funny. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I hate to call it reality television because I think that reality television is, is tarred. It, you know, that is perhaps calling this reality television is tiring it with the wrong brush, but ultimately that is what it is. But give it a go, guys. Honestly, it will change <laughs> your life. No, it sounds like something I'd be more than happy to go and watch. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll catch uh, my wife. She's watching, um, was it RuPaul Drag Queen? Is that what it's called? Okay, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. That's a drag race. Yeah. So I, um, typically yeah. I wouldn't switch it on, but I, I have gone upstairs and my wife is watching it on the, the television up there. Um, before I know it, I've watched three episodes with her. I'm like, oh, I'm really enjoying it. It's good. This is really good. Right. If you like RuPaul, this is like a massively toned down RuPaul. It, there's none of that. I'd say RuPaul was 100%, Queer yeah. Eye is 5%. Cool, cool, cool. Right, so it's that kind of, RuPaul is insane. I've never seen a TV show like that in my life, you know, regardless of sexuality or gender or anything of those people, they're freaking mental. <laughs> like, they pick some of the most insane people yeah. you've ever met in your yeah. life. It's bonkers. They pick characters. They pick characters. Yeah. This isn't like that. This is really, it's real. It's gorgeous. Nice. It's, nice. More of a, it's more of a documentary than reality TV. Love it. 
Thank you, Andy, for that. Um, and, and as exactly the same as before, I'm going to bring the tone right back down. Um, so it's funny that you should mention um, the term guilty pleasure, because I actually would love to do a guilty pleasures episode with all four of us, where we pick some of our, our guilty pleasures in mm. terms of film and TV and, and discuss why it is that we enjoy them. I'm not sure I want to own up to it. <laughs> I, 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 see, I, I'll tell you why in a moment. See, like what you described as well, I don't actually necessarily believe in the term guilty pleasure because I don't know if you've noticed a trend over the last few years, but there are actually, I mean, it might even be bigger than the last few years. It's just that I've only started to notice it in a big way with social media over the last few years. There are organizations and groups and uh, different sort of like subcultures of society that go out of their way to celebrate their enjoyment of terrible films. Um, and, and I think that it doesn't matter whether the film is terrible or not. I think it matters in terms of the enjoyment that you get out of watching it. So I don't think that guilty pleasure is actually the correct term for anything. That being said, because we've had a lot of time on our hands, I have been returning to a lot of my guilty pleasures. And so I wanted to share one with you today. So there was a, it's, it's, it's nowhere near as bad as I'm making it out. Okay, good. Because I, I could pick some horrific... We're not going to get down the Sharknado route. Oh, no, no, no. That's not guilty pleasure. That's, that's tax-dodging filmmaking. That's what that is. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah, there is a difference between... Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> We're going to make a film because it's cheaper to make that film than it is to pay my tax. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at you. Well, I'm looking at a few people right now. Um, anyway, that aside, I'm talking about legit cinema, as bad as it might be. I watched a film that was, for all intents and purposes, considered very average, which is a shame because I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I've been returning to a lot of the kind of action and the comedies that I've enjoyed over the years that I've, I've you know, have typically been really bad. And so I wanted to use this as an opportunity to very briefly talk about and maybe get your opinion if you've seen it on the film Lockout with Guy Pearce. Oh, I haven't have seen it. Okay. I've never so even heard of it. Let me set the stage. If you can get past the first 10 minutes, because <laughs> the first 10 minutes is some of the worst CGI I have ever seen in mainstream cinema up to this point, okay? It was made in 2012, so you've got to imagine, oh, it's not going to be that great. No, 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 forget that. When you've got things like the Avengers kicking about and you present CGI on, the on, on film that bad, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> However, when you get past that, it actually turns into what I would consider to be a half-decent action flick. So, and, and, and if this starts to sound familiar, you might be interested to know that somebody tried to sue the filmmakers for ripping off their film. So there is a character played by Guy Pearce, who is called Snow. Now, Snow has to break into... A, a um, it's not an asylum, it's a pr basically a prison in outer space, it's in Earth's orbit, it is a maximum security prison in Earth's orbit because for some reason the president's daughter, played by Maggie Grace, decided to go on um, 
like a, I forget what it's called, basically a mission to try and prove that by keeping these inmates in cryostasis is actually doing them more harm than good. So she's basically trying to, you know, whatever, this is not a good idea, chaps. We should probably shut this mental prison down. Um, she gets, of course she does, kidnapped because somehow everybody manages to escape. And so Snow, who is some ex-military, ex-forces dude, you don't really get to find out, he has been arrested in the previous god-awful CGI scene that we were talking about. And as a way to uh, get rid of his sentence, he makes a deal with the president to go rescue his daughter. Is this storyline beginning to sound familiar? Maybe a Kurt Russell kind of thing back in the 80s with John Carpenter? So yeah. I haven't even got to that. I've, I've just counted five films that I <laughs> thought of that you could have been ripping off. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is why this film is deeply, deeply average. Does it offer you anything new? No. Okay. Nah. What, what does it offer you then? It offers, and, 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 and this is where people will disagree, okay? So this is why it's the guilty pleasure. I, I flipping loved watching Guy Pearce play this sarcastic, um, witty, action hero type character. Because it's not the type of character I've personally ever seen him play before. I think that he was having a tremendous amount of fun making this film that nobody was taking seriously because it's not really meant to be taken seriously. I love sci-fi. I would just put sci-fi above the zombie genre for me. So the fact that they are in a prison that is orbiting Earth and there's like spaceships and, and guns in space and all this, I was like, I loved it. So yeah, it offers nothing other than Guy Pierce kicking ass. Um, but I overall thought that it was a really, really, really good time. The action, average. The plot, threadbare the cgi god awful guy pierce freaking amazing right but it, it it taps into that part of your brain where you have to not take it seriously if you sit down thinking that you are going to watch a serious action sci-fi you are going to be very disappointed so yeah that's lockdown from 2012 starring maggie grace and uh, and guy pierce I highly suggest that you switch your brain off and go check it out. I'm going to watch that for sure. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm going to put it on after this episode because I've not seen it for a few weeks. But I've just been revisiting my guilty pleasures uh, since <laughs> lockdown because, you know, not had a lot else to do. That's funny. See, I, I remember watching, uh, what was it called? Um, the film with Schwarzenegger and Stallone, where it's called like Esca Escape, Escape Plan. Yeah, Escape Plan. Similar, similar and, and watching that and expecting a lot more from it. And then it was oh. just, yeah. You see, again, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, well, my expectations were already in the gutter and mm. I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh. Escape oh, Plan 2, no good. I'll give it. I'll give it in this. I was, yeah, my, I, I was. I was thinking of other films, like listing off films in my head that I was thinking. Actually, I'd rather watch this. That one of the popped into my head was I'd rather watch Con Air, um, which is kind of a similar sort of similarish theme. Love but, Con yeah. Air. 
Love it. The bunny in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great film. God, is amazing. Uh, Did you hear that they're trying to remake Face Off? Okay, Ooh. that's not a bad thing because that's a terrible film. So actually, they could make it good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, come on. I oh, love Face Off. Damo, it's an awful film. I have no. seen that film Great. like two dozen times. What I love, what I love is that when John Woo was asked, do you think that the Western audiences are going to be confused? He basically turned around and said, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, that is how you make a film. You do not make it for the masses. I would put Connor exactly. action flick. I'd put Connor exactly where you've put this lockdown film. It's nice. exactly the same box where, um, uh, sorry, face off in, in yeah. that box, sorry. Because it's, it's just nonsense. It's, br- it's great. It's nonsense. entertaining, but it's freaking nonsense. We're going to take your face and put it on him. <laughs> put this thing here and we're going to change your voice and all that. Really? And not only that, but we're going to inject fat into you because John Travolta is a lot podgier than Nicolas Cage at that point. John Travolta's <laughs> eating himself. <laughs> uh, oh, man. But then you get doves and... and John Woo's doves. John Woo's doves. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, and I mean, w- without leaving Con Air, just having to say, some of the best electric guitars in a movie soundtrack, like that is the one thing I would, t- one of the things I'd take from that film. I don't think anyone's used like the screaming sort of 80s electric guitar better than that. Maybe, maybe Top Gun. Top Gun. That's another. Yeah, fair. Completely yeah, fair. After yeah. Con Air, I really wanted them to do a spin off with um, Steve Buscemi's character, like a horror film. <laughs> Because like he is like genuinely terrifying in that film, yeah. and th- that's that would have been way horror. too serious. That would have been way too serious for yeah. people to do. But I love, I love the those. But you've those got it. It's Hannibal. You've got it. It's Hannibal. Yeah. Just watch Hannibal after Con Air, and you've got it. No, but it needs to be. I want to see the Con Air version of Hannibal. Do you know what I mean? Nobody wants to see that. I almost want to see Steve Buscemi going off on this like horrible, really dark thing with Nicolas Cage in tow trying to catch him. That's what I want to see. Well, that's mm. Hollywood, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. That is a crazy concept. Oh. There's my pitch. Fund it. <laughs> there we go. Another, another another theme for an episode at some point. We can do like the best and worst of an actor. Maybe the best oh, and worst of Nick Cage. That's a great like that. idea. Yeah. That, yeah. If you pick Nick Cage, that's going to be really hard. <laughs> what finding the best? <laughs> no, finding the worst. Yeah, finding the best is easy because you know he's he's won uh, he's won Academy Awards and all sorts for his best work. But finding his worst work, are we really? Are you really going to make me go through all of that? I'm going to mm. have to watch. Drive angry. I mean, I watched the first. I love that off. I love him. I think he's just so bad. He's good. <laughs> mm. But I think he, that's a um, fantastic Francis, idea. Francis, Francis Coppola, um, Coppola's nephew. You know, I think I might have. So you know the guy who directed The Godfather. Mm, yes. Hang on, I'm, I'm googling this because I'm not sure if I've made this up right now. <laughs> it sounds oh. like one of those Hollywood myths. Yeah. No. Right. Rawi. I'm, I think you might be right. There might be some connection there. No, but, it is. Yeah, yes. like you say, right. yeah. So Francis Coppola, the guy who, um, Francis Ford Coppola, the guy who directed The Godfather, uh, Nicholas Cage is his nephew. <laughs> nice. Okay. That's brilliant. Although he's, you know, he's taking, dare I say it, more risks with smaller indie films and getting quite good critical acclaim for them. Cage is, at the moment, 
he's still making his triumph to pay the bills, but he's taken a few risks. I'm thinking of specifically Mandy recently. No, I haven't seen it's that. so funny. Mm. It's so funny with that with actors because like you think, oh, you know, he just you know he's, he's got to pay the bills by doing these terrible movies or whatever and all this sort of stuff. I'd be funny if like other if other professions were treated the same. Yeah. Be like wow. <laughs> Sam, you know, Sam's work on Monday was pretty poor, but you know, <laughs> pool, he got an Oscar for his that presentation he did on Friday. Yeah, that is <laughs> yeah, 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 quality. You know. Yeah, check out the IMDb scores on that one. Yeah, well, That's yeah. brilliant. I I never I never thought of it as that. Yeah, if we if we applied the same principles to other industries, what type of results would we get? Yeah. So, how has your work been recently? Are you just paying that Oscar? I don't want to know. I'm quite happy being ignorant to that. <laughs> was it was it a Ghost Rider day or was it a? Uh, I <laughs> That's the scale. We just call it the cage scale. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, that- I'm going to do that for now. So. Andy, if I come up to you after, you know, like building websites and we got like a, a business meeting, I'm just going to go on a scale of Nick to Cage. Drive <laughs> <laughs> angry. I feel yeah. like I want to design a graphic now for this. And every time we do, every time we do a film, it's on That's the... That's what we should the, do. Yeah. We can use <laughs> Nicolas Cage movies to recommend or not recommend our films. Right. I'm on it. Right. Leave it with me, guys. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So, didn't really expect that to happen in the pod this evening. <laughs> Moving on, Sam, you've got the so, last topic for us this evening. Please move us away right. from this crazy, I think it's been a very long day for all of us. I <laughs> will. Where this conversation's will, gone to. I'll move it, I will steer it to more of the, more of the surreal. Um, so, I'm going to go, talk about um, One Punch Man. Have you guys ever heard of One Punch Man? Heard of? Yes. Seen? No. What's this? So it's a um, a manga and an anime. Um, so I think the first season is on on Netflix at the moment. And uh, my Father's Day present, um, I, I I was asked what I wanted. I was just just get me the next One Punch Man book that I haven't got. Um, and basically, the premise is exactly what it does in the tin. It's a superhero that can kill any of his um, uh, enemies in one punch. Oh my um, god! And it is, uh, yeah. This is like, uh, you know when you're a kid and you have that conversation in the playground, what would yours, um, I say a kid, I'm 34 and I still have that conversation, <laughs> that conversation about what superhero power would you have? That's the best one! Yeah. Kill a, kill a bad but, guy in one punch. And it's, it's really good because it's just a complete parody of like superheroes, of kind of the Japanese sort of uh, kind of manga, kind of like all the Dragon Ball Z, all that sort of stuff. Um, because yeah, the, the main character, he, he, yeah, he, he's, he became a hero for fun. Um, not because of any grand, um, uh, uh reasoning. He just wanted to be a hero. Um, and when at one point someone asked him for a secret, his secret to his power, he's like, here's my secret. A hundred press ups, a hundred crunches, 10 K run. But what? No. He's like, yeah, that's it. You just train. Yeah. And, and it's just there's loads of bits like that where, where it plays, it. but then also alongside it like he has like a, a guy who's decided to train with him his sidekick who he, his his story is played completely straight and he's a cyborg who is out to get revenge of the person that murdered his father and then the guy next to him is just like i want to eat some shrimp tonight <laughs> but we haven't got any and then goes downtown and happens to kill a monster that was defeated and and the whole thing is like completely over the top you've got like different monsters that are like demon level threats dragon level threats it's annihilated a city but somehow there's another city to annihilate next week just like in all those shows and it's just really stupid it's really fun but i think the thing that i really appreciate about it is if you actually said well it's a show about a guy that can kill anyone 
um, with One Punch? Like, well, where do we go with that? And actually, the comedy and the different storylines and the fact that his big, one of his biggest problems is that he becomes a ranked superhero, but no one believes him because they're like, nah, it couldn't have been you. It must have been someone else. Um, so actually, you're a rank C and his apprentice is rank S class, like the best in the world. And he's like, I need to be get to class B, but no one likes me and they don't believe me. Uh, so, yeah, it is. Um, I would highly recommend. I, it, I guess it depends whether you're really into kind of like that sort of anime type thing. I would say maybe give the first episode a try. See if you find it funny. For me, because I've watched a lot of this stuff and when it's done completely straight, I think it's just it's just really class and and um and the books are uh, really well drawn the animes they're really well animated so would highly recommend nice i would oh. be adding that to my watch list for sure i love that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. nice just out go. of curiosity sam sorry because it, it's something it's something that's that's um cropped up because i utterly loved it i god i wish netflix would make a sequel have you seen blam spelt blame but pronounced blam no, I haven't, no. Check it out. It's a Netflix original. I think you really, really enjoy it. I'm not going to say any more than that because if I pick it for one of our episodes, because ah. uh, I personally think it's awesome. So, yeah, check it out. Cool. It's, I'll it's, have a look. Yeah, spelt blame, but it's pronounced blam. I will look it up. Also. Cool. Right then, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is because, you know, we. I think we've got like another two or three uh, topics each, um, but my understanding is that we have been going now for ooh hour and fifteen, hour and a half, something yeah. like that. So we're gonna have to leave it there for this roundtable today. Don't forget that next time we are going to be covering Twenty One Bridges. Uh, we just wanted to wait for Matt because Matt really wanted to cover that with us because he's got a bit to say about it. And so if any of us are away at any point we always ask the co-host whether they're happy for us to continue without or whether they really want to get involved and if they really want to get involved then we do an episode like this like a round table although i think today we also came up with like three different other ideas that we could do like a zombie week and a guilty pleasures week and and all that kind of thing it would be absolutely fantastic and a nick cage week uh, be- <laughs> <laughs> oh man i feel like we should have a nick cage month Oh, you see, the thing is, it's easily done. He has created a lot of material. Oh, yeah. Mm. No, he, uh, just going back onto it, he bought um, the skeleton of a dinosaur from, I can't remember who it was from, and then got sued because it was stolen from something. You need to find out. This guy, he bought a house <laughs> in New Orleans. It was supposedly like the most haunted house in New Orleans. you got to check. Like, he it's is just... Like a biography or something I can read. He's completely... Biography. Yeah, yeah, he's... <laughs> fascinating human being yeah goodness me right i've enjoyed this this has been fun it's it was a lot of fun last time and i'm really glad that we got an opportunity Mm. to repeat it this time as well um so yeah any closing uh i was gonna say arguments is not a courtroom anything that you'd like to say before we go chaps only that uh, if you haven't already get onto facebook get onto instagram on youtube check us out um videos are being uploaded now i'm trying to get them up every week as, as, as often as i can when i've got time but get on facebook get on instagram give us a follow give us a like give us some feedback we'd love to hear from you and just know of any support um you know if you are listening to us and you hate it let us know tell us what we can do better but if you love it we'd also love to know as well and even if you just find it very mediocre let us know okay we want to hear from you Love Take it. us to task. 
if we've got some of these reviews and you're thinking, goodness, no, they've got this wrong, that, that it's, a, it's a recommend or it's not a recommend from me, you tell us what you think as well. Sure. Thank you. Um, then you can find us on uh, our hosting uh, platform is anchor.fm, but you can also find us on Spotify and iTunes. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Parents on Pictures podcast. You type that into almost anywhere these days when it comes to wherever you get your um, podcast from. So, for instance, little shout out to a little app that I use called Podcast Addict because it allows me to surf through RSS feeds, iTunes, Spotify, literally wherever there are podcasts, it will go find it for me. You can find us there as well. So, apart from that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I've been Damo. I've been Andy. I've been Sam. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye now.